But we want to we wanna deal with some things this morning. So I'm not sure exactly how this is all going to look, but I'm excited regardless. Let's turn over to Genesis 3. We're awake. It's good work. Okay, here's one thing that I know, is that we can know a lot about the Word of God. We can know the Word of God. We can have the, the entire Bible memorized. But until we act on the Word of God, we set ourselves up to be deceived. We set ourselves up to be messed with. Because we were never called to just hear the word, we were called to act on the word. It says, do not be just a hearer of the word, but to be a doer of the word. And we're going to look way back at the beginning. When Jesus spoke a word, or God spoke a word to people, he said, hey, I, this is what I have to tell you. Okay, we know that he spoke the world into existence. We know that he created, created the world using his words. But he spoke something to some people. Okay, in John, it says that the, in the beginning, the, there was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Okay, we know that this is, the Word is God, yeah? Okay, so we know going back, even to Genesis, when it says that God spoke, they heard the Word of God, which means they heard God. The same is true for us. When we read the Bible, same thing, the Word is God. It's all, it's all one thing, okay? So back in Genesis, God told him, do not eat of this tree. Okay, any of the other ones you can eat of, but there's this one tree, don't touch it, okay? This one tree, don't touch it. Before we go any further, we're gonna break chapter three down a little bit. There's some things that I've never seen before, but I also believe there's some things in here that are gonna set us free this morning, okay? I'm really excited. Um, so one thing I wanna confront here, before we get into God spoke a word, sometimes I think as Christians, we look at our Bible as, Okay, I need the word. I mean, if you ask yourself, if I ask you just for a minute, just, just think to yourself, why do you need the word of God? What was the purpose that God gave it to us? Why is it there? Why study it? Why follow it? Why act in obedience to it? Why? I asked myself that yesterday and I was like, well, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, I, I kind of thought it was like the thing you do as a Christian. You, you have your Bible, right? And you read your Bible. Because in every church service you hear, read your Bible and pray. That's just what you do. Like our kids will tell you that. And they're like, I can't read, but you read your Bible and pray. Okay? <laughs> Some of us can't read, but we read our Bible and pray. Okay? That's, that's why we have it. Or is it because I know that I'm supposed to walk out in righteousness. I know that my character is supposed to be developed. So God gave me this book so that I can just adjust my lifestyle to be like his. Okay, still like posing a question. Why? 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 So I studied that because I went, I don't want to do something just because. And this changed my entire view of the word of God. Okay. Why did Jesus, or why did God tell him, don't eat of that tree? Do you think that God knew that Satan was going to show up in the garden? Yeah. I mean, he wasn't just sitting in heaven going, my infrared sensor's going off it, it the bad tree. It's, it's just going off over there. Who's over there? There's three people showing up. There's only supposed to be two. Okay, God wasn't doing that. He knew that Satan was going to come. He knew that he was going to tempt, right? Okay, so why say don't touch the tree? And I put this all together last night as I was praying, and God didn't give us the word of God to just mold us into perfect people so that he can have a bunch of perfect robots running around. That's not why God gave us the word. He didn't give us the word so that we could feel guilt and shame and condemnation about everything we are not doing right every five seconds. That's not why the word was given. 
Okay, the purpose for the word being given is that he knew that Satan was gonna attack our lives on a daily basis. He knows that everything God says not to touch, Satan's gonna try to get us to touch and God knows that that'll take us out. He knows that Satan's gonna take set traps for us that look good, that aren't good, they just appear good, but he knows that they're gonna be set there for us And so when he says don't touch something, it's not so that he can be bossy. It's not so that we can be perfect people. It is for the purpose that if I touch that, it will take me out. And God loves us so much that he sent his word, he sent his son to say, I don't want you not to touch it so you can be perfect. I don't want you to touch it because it's gonna give you freedom from some things that would inhibit your relationship with me and it would keep you from having a power-filled life. That's the purpose that God sent his word. And so when we're studying the word of God, it's not, okay, Genesis chapter three, there's lots of verses. So all the verses of what I'm doing wrong as a Christian. Sometimes we approach the word that way. We don't want to read the word because it just makes us feel bad about how we're acting. It makes us feel bad about the decisions that we're making. But that's not why God sent the word. God sent the word because it sets us free from things that would otherwise hold us in bondage. It sets us free from things that would keep us from living a power-filled life that he created us to live. Does that make sense? Okay, that makes me not want to touch the tree. When I know that thing's going to put me in slavery, I want to stay away from the tree. God's not being bossy. He protects me. Why don't you let your kids touch the stove? Right? You have your house rules like don't touch the stove. The electric fence is also a bad idea. Um, we, okay, there's things, some of you are like, hey, go touch the white wire. Um, but God's like, don't touch the fence, it's gonna hurt. He's not trying to be mean and bossy. God's saying, that's gonna hurt you, don't touch it. And I gave you a book so that you could read it so that you could be set free from things that want to keep you in bondage. Okay, so first and foremost, I wanna establish that. Now, verse three, Chapter three, verse one, it says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast in the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Has God indeed said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Okay, first point here in this section. How many of us deal with the question, did God really say that? That's what Satan's posing here. Did God really say I can't do that. Did God really say to flee the appearance of evil? Did God really say that I need to honor people? Did God really say that I need to forgive? Like in all circumstances or just some? Because some people are really easy to forgive. The others were like, touch the electric fence. Um, Did God really say that? Did God really say that I could be set free from things? Because the first question, if you read through here, first question in the Bible, did God really say? Did God really say? And so where in our lives have we posed that question? Did God really say this? Did God really say I can? Some of us are like, is this really the vision that God gave me? Did God really say this? Or is it, did God really say I can't because I'm really close to the line. I'd like to step over just a little bit because I don't know if God really said it. It's kind of one of those gray areas. Did God really say? That's the first question Satan asked at Timothy Eve. Okay. Here's the thing about knowing the word of God. When I said at the beginning, we can know the word of God and not act on it and leave ourselves in a place to be deceived. Okay, Eve knew word for word what God said. Watch the next verse. And the woman said to the serpent, 
We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Word for word. Okay, sometimes when the enemy comes in, we're like, yeah, I know the word. God says that I don't have a spirit of fear. Right? I have fear. You're like, God really said I didn't have fear. God says I don't have to have a spirit of fear. She spoke the word back to him. Okay, we can know the word and still be deceived. Okay, verse four. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. You will not surely die. In some areas of our life, we're asking the question, did God really say I can't touch that? Did God really say I can't talk this way? Did God really say not to, not to do this? Did God really say not to do that? Did God really say to do this? And so we're asking ourselves this question and Satan's like, well, you're not gonna die. You know, like the little meme, but did you die? That's what Satan's doing, but did you die? No, do it again, you're fine. It's not gonna kill you. What it's doing is it's eating the relationship with God. It's separating her from God without her even knowing it. And she's quoting the word back at the enemy. Okay. Um, verse five. This one's powerful. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Turn back to just a couple pages to 126. Okay. Here's the thing about knowing the word of God and here's the thing about having a relationship with God and acting upon the word of God is that God created us. He set us apart, okay? But if we don't know that, Satan's gonna attack it. And watch what it does to Eve here, okay? In, verse, in Genesis 1.26, it says, then God said, let us make man in our image. Whose image? God's image, right? We are made in the image of Christ. Watch the next line. According to our likeness. Okay, was Eve already created like God? She was already created like God. Okay, we are created in his image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on earth. I would say a talking serpent is creepy. Okay, she had dominion over the creepy thing that's creepily talking to her at the tree. She already had dominion over it. She was already made in the likeness of God. She was already made in the image of God. Okay, but she wasn't walking in that authority at this time. Okay, because she wasn't walking out that authority, this is what Satan says. Let's read verse five again. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The day you eat of it, you'll be like God. How does Satan tempt us? He's like, you're not this, but if you do this, you'll become this. He speaks to a weakness that says, if you just do this, then it will become a strength in your life. And instead of saying, no, I already know who I am in Christ. I don't need to do that to get acceptance. I don't need to do that to get authority. I don't need to do that so that I can feel like I'm worth something. Because when Satan says you're not, you're not worth anything, see, the thing is that once you do this, then you'll be worth something to people. When, once you do this, once you, once you push yourself this far, I, I know that it's not God's plan for your life, but if you just do it, you'll feel better about yourself. Your family will feel better about you. Your bank account will feel better about you. Right? We're always pursuing the, the more in our own strength. And, and so this is what he speaks to something she already was. 
Are we getting this? Do we know who we are in Christ? Do we know who God already says we are? Because when Satan comes and attacks us and says, just do this, you'll be like God. If you act this way, you'll be like God. And Satan wants to get us into, he doesn't care if we know the word. He doesn't care if we come to church. All he cares about is we're actually walking in what we're learning. That's when he gets nervous. That's why he attacked Eve here. He didn't care that God created her in a garden. He was like, I still want her to stay in that garden. And that's the same that's true with us. He knows where God has created us to be, who God's created us to be. He just doesn't want us to stay there. Satan knows that we're made in the image of God, but he knows that we don't know we're made in the image of God. And so he attacks it right there and says, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Knowing good and evil. All right, so then verse six. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, stop right there. Who already called everything good? God. So she confused a good thing with a God thing. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. She looked and said, when she saw that the tree was good for fruit. So this thing, it's a good thing. We need to do this thing. I need to do this thing because it is a good thing. I'm not doing anything bad. I'm not doing anything contrary to the word of God. I'm doing a good thing, right? But there's a difference between a good thing and a God thing. God said, don't touch it. He didn't have to give a reason why not to touch it. Somewhere we have to be at the place where we go, I trust God. And if he says not to touch something, I'm not going to touch it. I don't care how good it looks to my eyes. I don't care how appealing it feels. But when God says not to touch something, we don't touch it. And so she said she looked and saw that the tree was good for food. She didn't consult God. She didn't see that it was, it was just a good thing that, that looked good to her. And it felt good now that she knows that, you know, I, was, I, I wasn't sure if God accepted me, but now I really know that I'm going to be just like God if I eat this tree because the serpent, the creepy thing that I have dominion over, told me. What are we listening to? What are we acting on? Are we acting on the word that God said? Or are we acting on the word that we're hearing from a source other than God? So then she saw that it was good and it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and she ate it. She also gave to her husband and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. Okay? As soon as she ate, as soon as she took the good thing over the God thing, as soon as she said, I want to I wanna fulfill my desire over here, even though God told me not to touch it, I'm going to touch it anyway. But as soon as I touched it, my eyes were opened. I was suddenly ashamed of what I did. If you look up that word ashamed and you backtrack it to like the origin of what it actually means, I don't know all the Greek words and all that fun stuff, but if you follow that all the way back, that word shame here and ashamed is the same word that's used for idol, which is anything that's worshiped outside of God. That's anything pursued outside of God. And so they felt ashamed and they covered themselves because... I went after something that was outside of God. I went after something that God told me not to touch. And now I'm ashamed. But then what do we do? Now we got to cover up what we did because surely God didn't see it, right? God didn't see me eat from the tree he told me not to eat from. 
I mean, you never see your kids eat the cookie from the cookie jar you told them not to eat from. Ever. Okay? Surely God didn't see me do this, but now I feel ashamed because I did it and I don't know how to get out of it. And now I, I, I messed up and I see things different. So now I'm just going to cover myself. Where have we got ourselves to a place that we just cover ourselves and we cover up the things that we've done because we feel ashamed? See, Satan got what he wanted here because one, he questioned God's words. I want us to look at the tactics that Satan is using. Is there an area in our life that we're questioning the word of God? That is not from God. That's from the enemy. Satan came and the first thing he did was question God's word. Okay, the next thing he did was he said, well, God's not telling you the truth. You actually won't die. He just knows that you'll be like him. So he made it appealing to our flesh. Where does something that we go, I know that, that God said, I don't need to be a part of this, but did he really say, also, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, it, it looks good and, and I feel good about it. And it would really make me feel better because I don't really know that I'm accepted. See how Satan works? And so there's the second thing he did. And then they acted, and then they were ashamed. And so Satan's goal, and his goal still, is to separate us from God. He is perfectly fine if we live the Christian life doing good things all day long. He is not okay when we try to step out in faith, when we try to step out and go, I'm going to do the God thing. I'm going to do what God's asked me to do. I'm going to be who God's asked me to be. I don't care the cost. I don't care what it takes. I don't care that I have to change the way I talk. I don't care that I need to adjust how I think. I don't care that I might need to separate myself from some people. I might need to separate myself from some things so that I can answer the call of God in my life. That is when Satan's going to be not okay with it. And that's when he was here because he's like, man, God created them and they're in his image and they're doing exactly what he wants them to do. I've got to go wreak havoc. And his goal is to separate us from God. He wants us to feel separated. If we feel ashamed, I can't get to God. I don't feel like I can come back to God. I've messed up too much or I keep messing up or I just, I've had some words spoken over me in my life and I never feel like I can measure up and be who God's called me to be. I've been hurt. I've had some things happen to me that I don't know that I can fulfill the plans and the purpose that God has on my behalf. And we can be in that place. God never gave us those feelings. God never gave us shame. Actually, this is the other crazy part to me, is it said that they, they were naked and they were ashamed, right? If you read down, um, and we'll come back and read all this, but God says, where are you? And uh, so he said in verse 10, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Okay, they felt shame of what they did. Skip back to Genesis 2.25. The only emotion that God specifically mentions that he didn't want them to feel was the thing that they felt. In Genesis 2.25, it says that they were both naked, man and his wife, and were not ashamed. They were not created to feel ashamed. We were not created to feel ashamed. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. They were not created to feel ashamed. But the very thing that Satan brought in was the exact thing that God said, you will not feel this way. I did not create you to feel this way. Don't touch that tree because God knew as soon as they touched it, the very thing that he created them not to be would be the thing that they became. 
And so when there's things in our lives, when there's areas in our lives, when God says, don't touch something, it's not God setting down a rule book. It's God going, don't touch that because the thing that I created you to be will be the thing that you become the opposite of because I didn't speak fear into your life. I didn't speak worry into your life. I didn't speak anxiety in your life. I didn't speak anger into your life, depression, oppression, whatever it is. I didn't speak those things into your life. Those came from something completely different. And it's because I said, don't touch this. But then instead of touching it and going, oh, run to God to go, God, I touched something I wasn't supposed to. I repent. Satan wants us to put in us a place just like he did here to where we hid ourselves and then we cover it ourselves. We don't let God cover it. We don't let his blood cover it. We don't let his grace cover it. And that's why we stay in a place of bondage. We stay in a place of guilt. We stay in a place of shame because I made this covering for myself because I'm the one that got myself here and I need to be the one to get me out. And that's where we come in life is that now because now pride's entered because I can't, I can't admit to God that I was wrong because I'm broken and I know I messed up. I know that I touched something I wasn't supposed to touch. I know that I did something. I know that I went somewhere. I know that I said something. I know that I messed up. But now I made myself a covering and I don't want to go back to God until I get it right myself. And that's where they're sitting until I can figure it out myself. Because that's how we, who we are as Americans. You just make or break yourself. You figure it out. You do you, boo. You get it. You'll figure it out. And that's how we are with God as we go, God, I know that you did that for me on the cross, but I don't deserve it. Does that line make sense? I know that you died for me. I know that there's grace. I know that you want to walk me through some things. I know that grace isn't the empowerment to do the wrong thing, but the empowerment to walk in the right thing. I know that you've set me aside for things, but if you can just let me get myself out of this mess, I'll get myself out of this anger. I'll get myself out of this unforgiveness. I'll get myself out of this hurt. And when I do, then I'll run back to God. How'd that work for Adam and Eve? Right? Says, now let's go back a little bit. And it says, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of, of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And the Lord called to Adam and said, where are you? Where are you? So that's one of the questions that I would ask today. Because we're going to pray at the end. We're going to confront some things. But that's one of the questions I would ask. Where are you? Where are you right now? Are you in a place that maybe you're questioning? Did God really say that? Maybe we're in a place of going, I... It looks good. It looks good. I don't feel worthy, but that thing makes me feel worthy. Maybe we're in that place. Maybe we're in a place of I messed up. And now I'm trying to get myself out of it in my own strength. Where are we? God wasn't asking because he didn't know where they at. Like, Marco, do you think they would have answered? <laughs> I always wonder that. Sometimes when I read my Bible at home alone, it's really hilarious. Um, <laughs> I'm like, like, did they play that game? Um, but he wasn't playing hide and seek. When he said, where are you? It was a question that he was saying, do you know where you're at? Can you look at yourself hiding from me? Can you look at yourself and the decision that you make? Can you, can you see where you're at? See, it didn't change the fact that they were made in the image of God. It didn't change the fact that they still had dominion over things right? And it changed the fact that they still had access to God. But 
because of what Satan created, they separated themselves from God. And God said, where are you? And in 10, it says, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So now fear entered in. And fear wants to keep us in a place of bondage. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were an angry person? Who told you that you weren't good enough? Who told you that you've messed up one too many times? Who told you that no matter what you do, you're not gonna be able to, to get by? Who told you that you're never gonna get ahead? Who told you that this is the only way out? That's what he's asking Adam, who told you that? Who told you that you couldn't come to me? Who told you that you couldn't be forgiven? Who told you that my grace wasn't enough? Who told you that? And so that would be my next question is one, where are we? But then two, who told us? Who told us that we couldn't come back to God? Who told us that we could never get over this issue? Who told us that that hurt that happened that long ago was gonna affect us for the rest of our life? Who told us that there's no way that I can step out and be who I'm supposed to be because I got too much stuff going on? Who told you that you didn't have to, that you had to walk in fear and worry? Who told you that you had to do it on your own? Who told you that you were alone? Who told you that there was no friends? Who told you you would never be able to have a successful relationship? Who told you that your marriage would fail? Who told you, who told you? Did those things come from God? Who told you that you couldn't be a mom? Who told you that you were gonna fail at raising your kids? Who told you because you failed once, you fell again? Who told you that? Did that come from God? That's the question, I, another question I would ask because sometimes we're stuck in this place of, man, I'm just, <laughs> I keep messing up. I, I try to forgive, I can't do it. Now I'm stuck in this place. I'm just a mess up. I'm just, I, I'm fearful. I'm just, whatever it is. Who told you that? So I would, that would, that would be another question that, that I wrote down. And then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Okay, now blame has entered into the world. Because we're, we're in a place where we feel stuck and see what fear does is fear will cause us to cast blame. Fear will cause us to see things that aren't exactly how they are. Fear will cause us to see ourselves not exactly as we are. And now it's not my fault. God, had you not given me this woman, I would have messed up. I mean, not much has changed since Genesis chapter three, but um, we're, we're still rolling there. God, if you wouldn't have given me this woman, then I'd be just fine. Okay, but that's the first thing that he says is, God, you gave me this woman and she gave me the fruit and I ate it. So it's God's fault and it's Eve's fault, right? Okay, and this is when I say, we're gonna deal with some stuff today. How many of us are in a place? You don't have to raise your hand, just write it in your notes. We're gonna deal with all this later. But how many, <laughs> actually, let's do the hand <laughs> How many of us are in a place that we don't wanna take responsibility for what we've done because we're pretty sure God put us in this position. And so we're a little bit upset with God that we're in this position. And if he wouldn't have put these certain people in our life, we wouldn't be dealing with bitterness and unforgiveness anyway. Right? I mean, we've all prayed it. I mean, not you guys, all the other churches. They've all prayed it. You guys, don't, this is for you to evangelize. This isn't for you to deal with, okay? Um, are we in that place that we go, I, 
I know that I messed up, but, but God, you put them there. You, you put that in my life, that thing. You blessed me with this vehicle and it never runs and now I'm broke. You afraid it? God, if you would not fill my cabinet with zebra cakes, I would not be fat. Okay. <laughs> Scott, thank you for participation. I appreciate it. <laughs> okay. We want a blame game. We want to put the blame on somebody else. Had that person not hurt me, of course I would be answering the call of God in my life. Had that person not betrayed me, had that person not left me, then of course I would be doing what God's asked me to do. Of course I would be a lot farther along than this, God, so you can't blame me for being back here because that person, you just set me up to fail. Look at the parents you gave me. Look at the, look at the friends you gave me. Like, I mean, anybody think your kids might be like part Lucifer sometimes? Like... God, what, what, who did that? I would have perfect patience if you didn't give me like hellions. Okay, we want to cast the blame all the time. I work in children's ministry. I have all of your kids. I know, okay. <laughs> all of you are like, no, mine are angels in the closet when the door's locked and I'm outside. Like, okay. But we want to cast the blame on something else. We want to cast the blame on someone else. He made me mad. Does he have that much power over you? He can't make you mad. You got mad. But we got to take responsibility for it. And so that's where Adam is, is like, she and you are the problem. It's not me, God. She delivered me the apple. I just ate it. Right? You gave me the heavy foot. I was just speeding. They gave me the ticket, God. It's the cop's fault. Okay, I just have to say, Oren got a speeding ticket the other day. Most <laughs> Sorry. Hilarious thing. And he's like, she walks up to the window and I'm going, Oren, like, really? And he goes, no, no, I'm going to do the right thing and I'm going to be honest. Good, because we're already stopped. So, <laughs> so the cop comes to the window and Oren's like, I'm really sorry. I was just talking to my wife about a horse. And I'm like, I am not the problem here. <laughs> like, excuse me. And she looks at me and I was like, <laughs> and so she walks away and she goes, well, you were still going 14 over, sir. I'm going to have to give you a ticket. And she walks off. No, no, this is my husband. I was like, are you hearing yourself? He goes, see what I get for doing the right thing. <laughs> Like, she's got to do her job, Orange. She's not the problem here. You were speeding. <laughs> but silly story to say we do the same thing, right? God, I know I messed up, but it's okay. I'm going to do the right thing to get out of this. You know when your kids do that, like, okay, I know I stole the cookie. I'm going to go admit that I stole the cookie, and then I won't get in trouble. They're still going to get in trouble. It just never fails. But do you see? Now this is the blame game that we're playing. It's somebody else's fault because I can't take responsibility for what I did. And maybe we're in that place today. Okay, and we've got to come to the place that we admit that because if we don't admit that and we don't come to the place where we go, God, I messed up, I take responsibility, and now I want to move forward. Then we will keep ourselves in that place separated from God that it's everybody else's fault, victim mentality for the rest of our lives. They did this to me. 
And then everybody else that comes into your life, you're like, hmm, so uh, what are you gonna do to mess up my life? And that's how we view everybody that comes into our life. Because God put them there. Or God, don't put anything else in my life because you really messed up in the garden. You put the tree and the woman. It's not good. Okay, woman and food. Isn't that interesting? Like, I feel like we should get out of cooking because it was our fault from the beginning. Like, we delivered food like we're supposed to. And the world became like, fell apart. We ruined the world. So guys, it's your turn. And um, pick the apple from the correct tree. Um, But we play the blame game. Okay, let's flip over quickly to James 1.22. And it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Okay, how many of you come to church on a Sunday morning and you're like, man, that made me feel real good. Like, we're going to make some progress after this. And then you walk outside and get a ticket or something. And you're like, ah! And we're mad all of a sudden. Right? All that holiness went right out the window in like a matter of seconds. Or you spend your morning quiet time and everything's wonderful. And you're like, I just feel so full of Jesus today. It's going to be a great day. And then we get cut off or then we get to work and something doesn't go as planned. And then we get to, we forget that person that we saw ourselves in the word because instead of just doing the word, we read the word, we saw the word, we walked away from the word and we're like, got my Jesus for today. And I forgot who God said I was just a few minutes ago. I forgot who he, who he, he, what he pointed out to me just a few minutes ago. I forgot that what he said really did apply to my life. Maybe it caused some conviction. Maybe it caused something that said, I need to adjust something here. But because we saw it, we heard it, we listened to it. Maybe we memorized it, but we walked away and we never put it into action. Then we immediately forget. And it says in verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves because we immediately forget. And then we get just like Eve and she walked away. She heard God said, don't touch the tree. She came over to the tree and the serpent's like, did God say not to touch the tree? And she's like, oh, I don't know. Did God say not to? Yeah, I'm sure he said not to touch this tree. But did he really say that? Because it never became an action that she deliberately said, I will not touch what God says I will not touch. That it never became something that says, no, my Bible says this and I will, I will have joy when I'm walking through whatever it is because my Bible says I can. I will walk in prosperity. I will walk in blessing. I will walk in favor. I will walk in healing. I do not have to deal with these issues. I can forgive. I can obtain grace. I can walk in freedom. I do not have to be held in bondage anymore because the word says that I can and I choose to walk in it, not just read about it. Okay, any of you guys watch fairy tales like the Hallmark Channel all the time? It's a beautiful channel. Guys, your wives will love it. Just watch the Hallmark Channel. It's a wonderful thing. Okay, fairy tale life that is not existent in real life. Fairy tale life. And sometimes I feel like that's how we read the Bible. Like, oh, Adam and Eve lived happily ever after. The blind man, he can see. 
And that's how we leave it. We're like, what a good day for that guy. Jesus fed the 5,000. Such a good day. Peter walked on water today in my reading. And it's like a, a, a story over there. It's like a fairy tale. But it says not to be hearers of the word. It said to be doers of the word. So where are we taking the word and applying it to our lives? Okay, and here's how we do that. The Bible also says that faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God, right? So we can hear the word. So not only be a hearer, but when we do hear the word, then we get a little bit of faith. But then it says faith without works is dead. But then it says not doing the word, we deceive ourselves. Okay, what's faith? Faith is believing without seeing, as some would say. Faith is stepping out into the unknown, as some would say. The Bible says it's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And so faith is, I'm going to step out, God, even though I may not understand what's going on. I may not understand how I'm going to get through this, but I'm going to go ahead and step out into what you've asked me to do. I'm going to go ahead and apply what you've asked me to apply, even though I don't know all the details. I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know why I can't touch that. I don't know why you said no to that job. I don't know why you said yes to this job. But I'm going to step out in faith without knowing. I'm going to step out going, I choose to act on what that word says. Because just like we sing today, you're never going to let me down, right? God's love never fails. And here's the thing about God's word is that God's word cannot return void. It's not a maybe sometimes doesn't return void. God's word cannot return void. And it says that it's faithful to complete the work which it started or, or complete the thing in that which he sent it. It's faithful to complete that. But see, we have a part in this and we've been learning um, the last few weeks. My dad's been speaking on recovering your edge. And that's all good and well, but have we recovered our edge? Has anyone pressed in to say, I'm going to get my edge back? I'm going to apply what I've been learning and I'm going to get that edge? Or have we just learned about it and said, there's a nice edge available for me over there? Or have we got our axe and we, I'm going to be in the word daily, but I'm not only going to hear what God has for my life, I'm going to step out and see what God has for my life. Where do we take the word of God from a step of faith into encounter with God? When's the last time that happened? When you took a scripture and said, I'm going to take this, I apply it to my life, I'm going to step out in faith, and now I'm going to tell you that yesterday I encountered the scripture that I read last week. I encountered God in a way that I've never encountered him before because I stepped out into something in faith. Or are we always just walking in faith? Just walking in faith still walking in faith, and we never see the actual answer? Or do we step out and say, God, I choose to see your answer. I choose to act upon the word of God. I'm going to believe what you say that I can believe. I'm going to step out. I'm going to see it come to pass, and it's going to be an encounter in my life, and I will not give up until I see it. We see that with Moses. We see that with the Israelites. They go to the promised land. And at one point, God said, okay, you've been on this mountain long enough because it was 11 days to get from here to here. And the next scripture says, 40 years later, 40 years later, we're still in the same place because we don't deal with the issues right here and say, I'm going to choose to deal with this. God, help me. I'm going to step out in faith. We can't do it on our own. We've got to bring ourselves to a place that we say, God, I choose to rely on you. God, I choose that this is the final word in my life. We've got to know who we are in Christ. We've got to know who he says we are. If something's causing us to question the word of God, then it's not from God. If something's causing us to say the opposite of the word of God, it's not from God. If we feel conviction about touching something, don't touch it. It's not from God. We don't have to understand why. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. It never says trust because you have understanding. 
It says, don't rely on your understanding. And so we can trust in his word. We can trust in what he says because he's faithful to complete it. Will you stand with me? Here's what I wanna do as we end. Okay, there's some things that we covered. Maybe there's some things that we haven't covered, but we do not want to leave here. I do not want to leave here. I do not want you to leave here because God wants to deal with some things in our lives. None of us are perfect people. None of us. It says all have sinned and fallen short. There's not one perfect person in this room that does not mess up on a daily basis. And if you're here, Jesus, okay, there's not a perfect person here. But God doesn't want us to deal with the same issues. He isn't judging us for being there. He isn't judging us for making the mistake. But instead he's reaching out just like with Adam and Eve going, where are you? Can you please come back to me? That's why he sent Jesus to die. Okay, not only so that we can receive salvation and have eternal life with him, not only so we don't have to live in guilt and shame, but so that no matter what happens in life, you see, Jesus died from our sins from when he died until we die. Our lives are covered. There's nothing we can do that grace hasn't already covered. Do we see this? And it's not this grace that God's like, I sent my son to die for, can you please live right? That's not our God. God's going, I love you so much. I don't wanna see you live in bondage. I don't wanna see your family live in bondage. I don't wanna see your friends live in bondage. I don't wanna see your marriage in bondage. I don't wanna see your finances in bondage. I love you so much that when the things in my word that I say don't touch, I'm doing it because I wanna see you live in freedom. I wanna see you live a power-filled life. I don't wanna see you walking in a life that is separated from me. I don't wanna see you walking in a life that you're constantly dragging guilt and shame and anger and the offense of 37 years ago. And I don't wanna see you that way. I don't wanna see you walking in unforgiveness because I forgave you so that you can forgive them, not because it makes what they did right, but because it makes you free. That's what God has for us. God has for a life that you can imagine yourself, imagine yourself in the fairy tale life. That you know what? Yeah, we're gonna face hard things. We're gonna walk through things. Even the promised land had giants in it. But it was two people that saw what God can do because faith will see what God can do, whereas fear will tell you what the enemy can do. And see, our words carry so much power in our lives. What are we confessing over our lives? What are we speaking over our situation? What are we speaking over our family members? What are we speaking over our jobs? What are we speaking? Because we can either be speaking and glorifying what the enemy is doing, or we can be speaking and glorifying what God can doing. Because when everything is always wrong, and what people do is always wrong, and when everything I'm going through is always wrong, then we are glorifying what the enemy is doing in our life, and we are not exalting what God is doing in our life. Because for everything that is wrong, there are 10 things right because of words says so because our Bible never changes that he's the same yesterday today and forever people are gonna mess up if you're looking for people that are not gonna mess up in your life then you should probably be a hermit on an island that's way out in the middle of nowhere by yourself and you're still gonna mess up so you'll be disappointed in yourself but there's no such thing as perfect people but church we have to rise to the level that we go no 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 I don't look at people because of their mistakes I look at people I can I can look at you and go you know what Nobody sees you because of mistakes that have been made. People see you because of who God says you are. People see you because of the plans and the purposes that he's had on his life and he's not done. 
People see you that way. They don't see you despite the mistakes that you've made or the space that, that you may have seen. You see yourself through a filter of mistakes that have happened. And that's not how God sees you. And if you would see yourself different, you would be amazed what God would do in your life. That's what God wants for us. God doesn't want to live us to live a life in bondage. Come on, church. We got to go to a new level that says, I choose to be set free. I'm going to ask a few questions here. If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes with me, just in honor of those around you. But the first question that I want to ask is, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That is the single most important question that you can ever answer because until you say, I know that I know that I know that I've made Jesus the Lord of my life, that I am living a life separated from Him and I can't get to His grace, I can't get to His love because I've not made the decision to make Him Lord, I've been Lord. And so I'd ask you to search your heart and say, have I made Jesus the Lord of my life? Have I said yes to you and, and no to me to say, Jesus, you take over? And if you haven't and that's you, I would ask you to raise your hand with me. Yes, it is a step of faith. Yes, it is reaching out and going, no, I'm declaring my life on God. I'm declaring no to me, yes to you. I choose to live for you for this day forward. Is there anybody in here that would raise your hand and say, I want to say yes to Jesus today. I want to make the decision to live my life for him. And I'll give you just a minute, but do not miss this opportunity. Do not miss this opportunity. Okay, I believe everybody in here is saved. But here's what we're going to do next. And church, this is where I'd ask you to be bold. And this is where I would ask you to step out in faith and say, I am sick of dealing with the stuff that I'm dealing with. I'm sick of dealing with it. And I want to see it changed and I don't want to see it changed five years from now. I don't want to see it changed when the busy season ends. I don't want to see it changed in my next quiet time with God. I want to walk out of here set free today. If you're dealing with identity to say, I don't see myself the way that God sees me. I see myself as a result of what's happened to me. I see myself as a product of my environment. I see myself as, as the way that the people around me, have maybe, maybe they've spoke over your life. Or maybe it's nothing that was spoken, but something that we assume that has been spoken. And now I live my life as a product of that. I'm always trying to be good enough. I'm always trying to catch up. I'm always trying to be that person. And so no matter who I'm around, I never feel good enough. If that's you, I'd ask you to lift your hand with me and we're going to confront that right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for every hand lifted in this room. And I thank you for every name that's associated with that name or with that hand. And Father, I thank you that you have called us that we are chosen, Father God, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and that no word matters against our lives except for your word, Jesus. 
I thank you that we are made in your image, that we are made in your likeness, that we are whole and complete, lacking nothing, that you knew us before we were in our mother's womb. And I thank you, Father, that right now you would come and you would fill that void. Father, we would not look for acceptance. We would not make decisions for acceptance. We would not make decisions to be somebody or be something again, Father God, but we would walk in the confidence knowing I am a child of God. I am who you said I am. I will be who you say I can be, not by might, not my power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, that you rely on me and I will make you. You rely on me and I will make you. Don't look to people for acceptance. Don't look to your boss for acceptance. Don't look for the balance in your bank account for acceptance. All those things refill you. But you look to Jesus and say, I am who you say I am. And I thank you, Father God, for that being dealt with right now in the hearts of every hand that's lifted. And I thank you, Father God, that you would fill them with your love. You would fill them with their peace and they would walk out of this room confident, Father God, and that they would start walking in the plans and the purposes and the boldness that you've called them to walk in, that their mouth would line up, that their thoughts would line up. And I find every spirit but the Holy Spirit at work in their lives. And I thank you, Father, that you would speak your word into them. Everybody with your hand up, here's the thing. This is not just God healed me in church and I'm gonna walk out and just do the same things that I've always done. See, just like Eve, we have to act on this. So if you need to get some scriptures to step out and say, no, I declare who I am today and I will walk confident. I declare who I am today and I will walk in boldness. I will speak in boldness. I choose to speak the word. I choose that maybe I feel insecure about saying this, but if God asked me to say it, I'm gonna say it because he's gonna work through me in a way that I couldn't work on my own. And so it takes an action on our part too. Fear, I wanna deal with fear. If you've been dealing with fear, I'm so afraid that I feel like one, I'm either overpowering and controlling because I'm so afraid of what's gonna happen if I don't control the people around me and the situation because I can't trust God. I, need, I, I say I trust God, but I know internally that I deal with fear. I know internally that I need to control the situation. I control the people around me. Maybe it's fear of failure. That if I let go, what's gonna happen? If I let go of, of this thing, of these people, what's gonna happen? So I hold on and I, and I control it. If that's you and you deal with fear, I'd ask you to lift your hand up. Okay, here's the thing with fear. It says, I have not given you a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. Okay, fear has a name and every name must bow to the name of Jesus. Fear has no place in your life. It says that you have not been given a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. It also says that there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. So those of you with your hands up, okay, we gotta find the love of God. We gotta experience, you gotta encounter the love of God in your life. You gotta encounter Him and let Him in. Let him in, you gotta let go. And you have to let him into that deep place in your heart because he says, you watch what I can make you. You watch what I can make you. Let him in, let him move, let go of it. You don't have to control it. It says, cast your cares on him. He cannot fail you. He cannot fail you. And anything that you close in your hand and take control over, it God can't work because it's closed off to him. Anything that you give to him, he can grab and take and make something beyond what you can imagine. He has a plan for it. Don't let Satan steal it with fear. 
encounter His love. Father, I thank You and I bind the spirit of fear. It has no place here. Father, I thank You that Your love would come and fill every person that has their hand up. Fear has to leave. Father, we trust You and we lift these things up. We lift these people up. We lift these areas up, Father God, that we're afraid of. And we say, we cast our cares to You, Jesus. Take over. We're not gonna be anxious anymore. We're not gonna worry anymore. But we are gonna have peace of mind because Your, your, your perfect love casts out fear, Father God. And we will have peace that surpasses all understanding. That regardless of what it looks like, regardless of what I feel, that Your, your peace will come and fill our hearts, Father God, that fear has no place. We have a sound mind. I thank you that we do have the mind of Christ and we have authority over every thought that enters, Father God, and we will bring it into submission of the Word of God. Fear has to leave. We are not slaves to fear. Fear has no place. Okay, if you raise your hand for, from fear, confront fear in your life. Confront it in your life. You have the authority to take every thought captive. And by take it captive, I mean you grab it and say you are not. You go back to the pits of hell where you came from. And be bold about it. And walk in the freedom and the joy that God has. Okay, this last one, past hurts. There's been past hurts. Maybe, maybe it's an abuse situation. Maybe it's a betrayal situation. Maybe you feel like everybody that walks into your life betrays and walks out of your life. So there's some hurts, there's some trust issues, but that's become your crutch. And you recognize that, but you don't know how to deal with it. You don't know how to get rid of it. And it's become something that, that I can always go back to. If I mess up, it's almost like it's become a safe place. If I mess up, I can always go back to where that person hurt me, where that thing happened. Or you're just sick of it, sick of it being a part of your life because you still react like you're reacting to that person or that thing that hurt you. And so you're tired of, of being afraid. You're tired of reacting because of what someone else did to you before. If that's you, I'd ask you to lift your hand up because it has no place. Those hurts have to leave. We serve a God of grace. We serve a God that comes and He fills those places. Okay, those of you with your hands up, if it's a situation that you have not forgiven them, if it's a situation that you say, I don't know that I can alter, offer forgiveness, you're right, you can't offer forgiveness because only God can offer forgiveness through you because we're not powerful enough to offer forgiveness. That's why Jesus died on the cross. Okay, so if your hands up, if it's in a place that you go, I have not forgiven that person that has hurt me. I have not forgiven that thing that has happened to me. I have not forgiven myself for what I did to somebody else. Okay, that doesn't have a place anymore today. Father, I thank you for restoration. I thank you for healing in the hearts of every single person that has their hands up. And Father, we forgive those people that hurt us. We forgive and we choose, Father God, that you know, we're not making what they did right, Father, but we're gonna choose to see them through the eyes of who you've created them to be. And we acknowledge the fact, Father, that you love them as much as you love us. 
and through your grace, Father God, and through your forgiveness, we are set free from this day forward. We are no longer held captive by the chains of what happened to us before. We're no longer held captive by what someone else did for us, but we choose this day, life. We choose from this day forward that we will no longer walk protecting ourselves. We will no longer walk trying to protect our heart, trying to protect and keep ourselves closed off from the things around us. But Father, we'll walk in your freedom, we'll walk in your grace, and we'll walk in your love. Father God, and in walking in freedom and grace and love, we choose to show that to the people around us. And I thank you, Father God, that those hurts have no hold on us from this day forward. Those hurts have no hold on us. Okay, here's the thing. After God spoke in the garden, he came and said, did God really do that? When you walk out of here, you better bet that the enemy is gonna come and attack and say, did that really happen to you in service today? Did God really set you free? Do you really know who you are in Christ? No, you're a failure. No, you can't do it. That's gonna happen as soon as you walk out of these doors. So if you raise your hand for anything today, or if there's anything else that you need to raise your hand for, you need to get right and turn around today that you walk out these doors and you say, no, it is done today. If you have to write it down and sign it on a piece of paper, get a witness for all I care. Just write it down and say, no, it is taken care of today. It has no place in my life from this day forward. And I choose to say, I will step out in faith and know that it is finished and it is done and it will not control me any longer. Can we do that? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your people. We thank you for your word, Father. And we thank you, Father God, that who the sun sets free is free indeed. I thank you, Father God, that our fear can't stand a chance